Thank you for listening to our Love City Church podcast. Visit us online at www.lovecitychurch.ca. We pray that this message encourages you and strengthens you in your walk with Jesus. Yeah, fantastic. Hey, I'm glad you're here today. This is fantastic. Merry Christmas. Come on, we see a lot of folks here that I know and tons I don't. And uh, I just want to say Merry Christmas to you. Come on, how many of you are finished with your Christmas shopping? Let's see your hands. Come on. Now let's ask the more dangerous question. How many of you are not Oh, Catherine. You were the only one, girl. How many of you, like, have any of you ever gone shopping on Christmas Eve? Yeah, yeah. she says you're all liars. You're going to sneak out tonight sometime, and that's funny. You didn't think that was going to happen, did you? <laughs> well, fantastic. It's uh, a great year. You know, I also feel like I'm, I'm like really trying to get into the Christmas spirit because it's not snowing. And I don't know how many of you are, you know, you're, uh, you go away when it, when it, when the su- in the wintertime, but I love the snow. And so I'm just kind of hoping, I hear rumors that it's going to snow tomorrow. And uh, so if you like to pray or you talk to God or uh, I don't know if you just do whatever you do. Talk to somebody and just ask them to make it snow for me because I need to have a, a good Christmas uh, good Christmas experience with our kids. We sleep in front of the tree tonight, and we watch Christmas movies. We're going to watch Home Alone 1 and Home Alone 2. We've also watched Christmas with the Cranks, Preacher's Wife, Elf. We've watched them all, folks. And I just feel like I've seen all the great Christmas movies and... Uh, and I hope you have a really, really great time tonight. My name is Ryan. For those of you who don't know me, my wife and I um, have the honor of uh, pastoring Love City Church here. And again, as I mentioned, it is our first first Sunday, uh, our first Christmas Eve service. I'm sorry, it's not our first Sunday. That'd be <laughs> it's our first day. We just started. <laughs> it's our first Christmas Eve service. Sorry. Uh, and so I'm just excited today to um, have an opportunity to talk with you for a minute uh, tonight uh, about some things that that I I really think are really important. And what we're going to do tonight, uh, just for a very short time, is we're just going to look at the story, uh, what we call the nativity. Nativity is the story of, the Bible talks about the story of Jesus being born. And as I laid in bed last night, yes, around 1.30 at night, I was just thinking about today, and I just began to ask God, Lord, give me wisdom on what to share tomorrow. What, how, what could I say to all these people who have probably heard this story, and maybe there's folks in the room today that have never, ever heard the story of Jesus Christ. And what we celebrate uh, as a church and as a Christian and as a follower of God and what we read about in the Bible. Now, I know for years our kids, um, you know, they believed in Santa Claus. And, you know, for years they would, they, we, t- we made a deal with, with them and said, okay, we're the ones who, mom and dad does the stockings and Santa can take the big gifts. Really, it was my parents to be giving the, the big gifts. And, you know, you have Santa Claus and you've got, you know, all the fun Christmas movies and you got the romance of Christmas and you've got all these different things about Christmas, which I think is fantastic and I truly enjoy it and I love it. And I love the, the you know, the, uh, when the eggnog lattes come to Starbucks, come on somebody. And I love when all of these different treats come out and someone dropped off at my house yesterday, peanut butter balls uh, wrapped in chocolate and they were the most fantastic things I've ever eaten in my life and the gingerbread cookies and I just love the season but we have to uh, take a moment to consider how did this all start how did this whole idea of Christmas begin and tonight I hope that I can take a few minutes minutes and talk with you a little bit about what what I believe is a really important story I want to introduce you to someone tonight I want to introduce you to someone who is my friend somebody who uh, has changed my life 
somebody who has come and done some significant things in my heart. I've got quite the story. If you spent time with me, I grew up in a very religious home and a very, uh, uh, grew up as a home of Christianity. But the reality is, is that I never was actually a Christian until several years later. I had areas of my life where I had addictions and I had fears and I was scared of certain things and I had pains and injury from people and life. And my wife and I went through a season in our marriage where we were pretty at odds and things weren't going great. And I want to tell you today about somebody that I met that changed my life forever. I want to introduce you today to Jesus. What I'm going to talk to you a bit today, about today, we read in the scripture, and the scripture actually tells us who Jesus is. And I want to read it with you today, and if you've never read this, I'm going to put all the, the scriptures right here on the screen. And uh, if there's something you don't understand, I'll try my best to explain it in a way that, that you can understand today. Let's read this. This is found in the book of Luke. Luke was a follower of God. He was one of the 12 disciples. One of the 12 men that Jesus, when he was on the earth, he walked on the earth, he called 12 men to follow him. And this is one of the men that followed him. He was Luke. He was a doctor. And actually, he went back and followed uh, Jesus around and actually documented, handwritten documents, documented the life of Jesus on the earth. This specific scripture comes from a time, most likely, when Luke interviewed Mary, the mother of Jesus. He probably sat down with her and said, okay, obviously I wasn't there because Jesus and I are about the same age. Why don't you walk me through the story? And Mary, the mother, most likely gave an account to Luke on what happened when Jesus was born. So we see in Luke chapter 2, you can look on the screen behind me. It's a little bit of a longer verse, so forgive me, but I'll read really pretty so it'll entertain you. How about that? That night in a field near Bethlehem, there were shepherds watching over the flocks. And suddenly, an angel of the Lord appeared in radiant splendor before them, lighting up the field with the blazing glory of God. And the shepherds were terrified. But the angel reassured them, saying, Don't be afraid, for I have come to bring you good news, the most joyous news the world has ever heard. And it is for everyone and it is for everyone everywhere. For today in Bethlehem, a rescuer, a savior was born for you. He is the Lord Yahweh, the Messiah, the Christ. You will recognize him by the miracle sign. You will find a baby wrapped in strips of cloth and lying in a feeding trough. Then all at once a vast number of glorious angels appeared in the very armies of heaven and they all praise God singing glory to God in the highest realms of heaven for there is peace and good hope given to the sons of men and when the choir of angels disappeared back to heaven the shepherds said to one another let's go let's hurry and find this word find this baby that is born in Bethlehem and see for ourselves what the Lord has revealed to us and so they ran into the village and found their way to Mary and Joseph and there was the baby lying in the feeding trough and upon seeing this miraculous sign, the shepherds recounted what had just happened, and everyone who heard the shepherd's story was astonished by what they were told. And so tonight, I want to just give you four things very quickly, four things that the scripture tells us about Jesus. And it comes from this verse, in verse, uh, verse, uh, verse uh, I'm sorry, Luke 2, verse, I have to find it on here because I put the wrong thing on there. It's not verse 1, I think it's verse 18 in there. And it says, for today in Bethlehem, a rescuer, a savior was born for you. He is the Lord, the Messiah, the Christ. The first thing is this. This scripture tells us very clearly that Jesus was fully human. Now, this is very important for you to understand something about this man named Jesus, who historically walked the earth. 
Historically, it's a proven reality that Jesus, a man named Jesus Christ, walked on this planet some 2,000 years ago. And it's very, very important for you to understand that he was fully human. Because if, if Jesus was fully human, that means he understands your life. He understands what you've gone through. He understands hunger, and he understands sickness, and he understands challenge, and he understands difficulty. He's seen death. He's experienced sorrow. He's looked at grief. In this story, he experienced death. Jesus has experienced and seen everything that you've seen in your life. He was fully human. Jesus fully understands you. And the Bible teaches us that Jesus was fully human. Look at these verses in John 1.14. So the word, Jesus, became human and made his home among us. Hebrews 2.14, since all his children have flesh and blood, so Jesus became human to fully identify with us. In Matthew, or sorry, Hebrews 4.15, he understands humanity, for as a man, our magnificent king priest was tempted in every way just as we are, and yet conquered sin. Matthew 4.2, and after fasting for 40 days, man, that's a long time to eat no food, Jesus was extremely weak and famished, hungry and starving with food. Hebrews 5, 7, during the time Jesus lived on earth, he prayed and asked God with loud cries and tears. Jesus prayed to God. Jesus' prayer was to God who was able to save him from death. And lastly, Philippians 2, 6 to 8, he existed in the form of God, yet he gave no thought to seizing equality with God as his supreme prize. Instead, he, Jesus, emptied himself of the outward glory by reducing himself to the form of a lowly servant. He, Jesus, became human. He humbled himself and became vulnerable, choosing to be revealed as a man and was obedient. He was a perfect example, even in his death, a criminal's death by crucifixion. You need to know something about Jesus today, the Jesus I serve, the Jesus that I met, the Jesus that changed my life. He knows exactly what you're going through in your life. He is not this distant God in the outer parts of the galaxy that is distant from you and doesn't understand the discouragement and the fear and the doubt and the temptation and the, the struggles you might be having in your marriage or the struggles you might be having in your finances or sickness in your body. Jesus walked this earth. He saw it. He he experienced it. He encountered it. He was around it. He felt it. He watched it. Jesus was fully human and understands and identifies with exactly where you are at in your life right now. Even if you say, Ryan, I've never stepped into church before, or I've never had a relationship with God before, or Ryan, I'm of another religion, I'm of a different, different belief system, or I'm a, I, I want you to know something, that that same Jesus who walked the earth was fully human, and he identifies with you no matter where you're at today. No matter how far you are from God, no matter how close you are to God, no matter what you're going through in your life, Jesus understands and he identifies and he's with you in your life. The second very, very important thing we see in this verse is that the verse states that Jesus is God, the Lord, Yahweh. Now, there are different, different uh, translations or different words used all throughout the Bible to define who God is. 
The, the word Elohim is the word God the Creator, or El Shaddai is God Almighty, or El Elyon is the, the Most High God, or Adonai is Lord or Master. But the most common name used for God all throughout the Bible, all throughout the Scripture, is what we call a covenant name of God, or a relationship name of God, which is Yahweh, or Jehovah. This name Jehovah, in English we would use Jehovah, but in Hebrew we would, we would say Yahweh or Adonai, and I most likely am not using the correct pronunciation or uh, uh, um, uh, use of my tongue to say that word correctly in Hebrew, but we would say it in English, Adonai or Jehovah or Yahweh. Now what does that name mean? It's very important we understand that this name has a meaning. This name actually means the existing one, the eternal God. That name actually refers to the God who existed before our time, will exist after our time, but existed before the time began. He's the existent God. He's the Jehovah God. He's the Yahweh God. But not only does it mean that, it also means this name, the I am who I am. Many of you have probably seen the cartoon, uh, The Prince of Egypt. Or maybe you haven't heard that story, but the story of Moses. Moses was called to lead a people of, of Israel out of, uh, out of uh, pr being a prisoners and being shackled into Egypt. He was called the Prince of Egypt. So Moses was called to lead the people out. And when he was called to lead the people out, the story tells us that he went up to this mountain and he saw this peculiar thing. It was this burning bush. Moses saw a burning bush. It did not burn up. And the God spoke to Moses and said, Moses, Moses, take your, take your shoes off because the place you're standing is holy ground. And then he said this, the I am that I am, Yahweh is sending you to my people. That word I am in that moment in that scripture that was written by Moses thousands of years prior is the same name that we would use for Jehovah God Jesus. And this Jesus, this I am, actually, this name I am actually would mean this, that if you need a helper, I am a helper. If you need a, uh, uh, if you need a healer, I am your healer. If you need a friend, I am your friend. I am the God who can meet your every need. See, not only was he 100% human and identifies with you, but he is God and he can be everything that you need in your life. Every deep need for relationship connection. My relationships keep falling apart. Maybe you've been married and divorced and married and divorced and married and divorced. Or maybe you've been in relationships and dating relationships and you just can't seem to stay in a relationship. And there's something inside of you that needs a deep connection beyond what you have. The I am God can be that for you. Maybe you have sickness in your body or deal with discouragement or maybe even a clinical depression or you've been distant from God or you feel like life is coming down on you and you're confused and you don't know what your purpose is all about. God, the Jehovah Jireh, uh, Yahweh, Jesus, who came to this earth, was 100% human, identifies with you and is 100% God and says, I am the helper for you. I am your guide. I am your peace. I am your joy. I am your freedom. I am the I am. 100% God. And the reason we know this 
is because John was one of the disciples, one of the one that Jesus chose. He wrote this verse in John 1, 1 to 4. The word Christ was in the beginning. The word, or Christ, was in the beginning. The word was with God. The word was God. That word word is logos, which references Jesus, because he calls himself, in John 17, he calls himself the word. Look what it says. He made all things. Nothing was made without him making it. Life began by him. His life was a light for men. Now John, the same man, was Jesus' closest friend. Not only did he write this in the Gospels, which the Gospels is four, four books written about the life of Jesus, 50 to 70 years later, John wrote another letter, wrote another book, 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John. And in 1st John, look what John writes to the churches that were around there. Look what John says about this Jesus. Christ is the word of life. He was from the beginning. We have heard him and have seen him with our own eyes. We have looked at him and we have actually put our hands on him. Christ, who his life was shown to us, we saw him. We tell you and preach about the life that is last forever. He was with the Father and has come down to us. We are preaching what we have heard and seen. We want you to share together with us what we have with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. We are writing this to you so our joy may be full. This is what John was saying. Listen, I was with Jesus while he walked on the earth. And I am telling, this is what John is saying, which was a, a, a book that has been historically, the idea of this book is written about 30 or 40 years after Jesus, he re reflected back on his journey with Jesus and said, I walked with Jesus. I touched Jesus. I talked with Jesus. I watched Jesus heal people and raise the dead and heal the sick and cause the lame to walk and cause the blind to see. Not only did I walk with him and I ate with him and I chummed with him and I hung out with him and I fished with him and I was with him and we made jokes and we were having fun as humans, but I also experienced this godness to him. He was in the beginning before time he is not only a hundred percent man but he's a hundred percent God so it's very important we understand that the Jesus that, that that we celebrate is not just a fairy tale it's not just an idea it is actually God himself coming down as a human to identify with you that he might say, not only do I identify with you, but I want you to know that I can be everything that you need in your life, no matter where you're at. The third thought here today we see in this verse is that Jesus is the Messiah, the Christ. This is an interesting thought that as being uh, Jesus was promised by prophets. If you don't know what a prophet is, a prophet was someone that was written about in the Old Testament the 2,000 years ago, three, 4,000 years ago, 5,000 years ago was a book written. These, these, these scrolls were found from a prophet named Isaiah written five to 700 years before the birth of Jesus Christ. Five to 700 years prior to Jesus being born on the earth, a prophet named Isaiah wrote in a scroll, and you can actually find these scrolls. This is called, uh, the, the, this is called the, the, um, the, the shrine of the book, and this is found in Jerusalem. And you can walk into this room and see the entire book of Isaiah as it was written in its original language, wrapping around this spot. And in these, in these words on this scroll, Isaiah prophesied, he spoke, as God spoke to him, 
he prophesied something that would not happen for another five to seven hundred years. He prophesied that there would be a coming Messiah. There would be a coming Christ. And he says this in Isaiah 7, 14. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. Two chapters later, Isaiah 9, he says it again, for to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Can you imagine being in the room when you walk in and see this baby laying in a cradle and there's been uh, talking. People have been saying, I think this is the Messiah. I think this is that 100% God, 100% man. I think that this is what they were talking about. And standing before this little cradle with a baby laying in it with all the animals and Mary and Joseph thinking to yourself, I read this. This was written five to seven hundred years ago. Someone said that you watch, a Messiah is coming, a Christ is coming, a God is coming, and he will come in, a hundred, in the form of a man. Can you imagine being there at that day when you realize that this prophetic moment, it was a prophetic moment, it was a moment of fulfillment from Scripture? You realize, oh my gosh, someone foretold this reality. But there's a reason why this all happened. The fourth thing we see in this verse today, very clearly in Scripture, that Jesus is the rescuer. Jesus is the Savior. Now you may be thinking here tonight, Ryan, I don't need a Savior. I don't need to be saved. <laughs> I'm doing just fine. The Bible actually teaches us that every person to ever live on the planet is born into a world without God. You might ask yourself some questions sometimes. You might uh, be doing pretty good, but then when a relationship falls apart and you're alone or when, when you've been dealing with maybe addiction in your life and you, you begin to get off that addiction and you start to feel this deep hole in your life and you, you start to feel disconnection when you're alone, when you're not in relationships any longer and that's falling apart and you start to feel this thing inside of you that just gnaws at the inside. I would articulate it as a frustration. This world is so screwed up. There is so much happening across the world. There's, there's genocide and sickness and poverty and violence and terror and difficulty. Even in my own life, there's, there's marriage problems and finance problems and sickness and difficulty. And you say, oh, just this frustration on the inside of you. You can just feel it. You know something is not right. This relationship that I'm in just doesn't seem to cut, just doesn't seem to cut it. Those drugs, the alcohol, or the addiction just doesn't seem to cut it. That job and that career just doesn't ever seem to cut it. That is what you feel. You are feeling that you were born into a world that is without God. Romans teaches us about this in Romans chapter 3, verse 9. Look at this. We have already shown that all people, whether Jew or Gentile, are under the power of sin. As the scripture says, no one is righteous, not even one. No one is truly wise. No one is seeking God. All have turned away. All have become useless. No one does good, not a single one. Merry Christmas. <laughs> the Bible teaches us very clearly that there's not a person on the planet 
that has not fallen short and has not made mistakes and has not been in sin. There's not a person in this room who's more righteous or more better or more good than the other. All born into a world of sin. You say, Ryan, why? Why did this happen? Well, many, many years ago, an author named Moses writes in the book of Genesis. After he created Adam and Eve, he looked at Adam and said, Adam, I'm just going to tell you one thing. I'm going to say, listen, I want to warn you something. I've given you full permission in my garden, to, to, in the Garden of Eden that was created by God, to be a perfect picture of heaven, a perfect relationship with God, a perfect relationship, marital relationship. There was no fear. There was no violence. There was no death. There was no pain. It was Eden. It was perfect. It was God's intention for you and for me. And God came to Adam and Eve and said, listen, I want to warn you. I'm going to give you a choice. You can either... Serve me and enjoy the, the life I've given you and enjoy the pleasure I've given you or you can choose to eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and when you eat of this tree, the scripture says, you will surely die. And guess what? Adam and Eve decided to take of that fruit. They chose to disobey God. And at that moment, that's at the moment when they took that fruit, you've heard all the story, they took that fruit and they ate that fruit when temptation of the devil at that very moment is when every single challenge you face in your life cropped up say Ryan isn't it God didn't God do that no no God didn't do that God gave Adam and Eve a choice to choose choose me or choose the tree you can choose it's up to you I love you but I want you to know that if you choose this direction the result will be death and now everyone in this room experiences that death from that one decision many many years ago that's where that discouragement and depression and fear and doubt and sadness that's where that loneliness and that disconnection comes from from that one moment many 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 years ago a man named philip yancey said this quote good people do not have a monopoly on god's love the fact that god loves good people is this is not news this isn't even good news Every religion says that. But the fact that God loves bad people, that is grace. That is news. And we have to be reminded again and again and again and again. Luke 19.10 says, For the Son of Man, for Jesus came to seek and to save those that are lost. When Jesus chose to leave heaven and come to earth as a human to take on this bodily form, he did that thinking about you because he's omnipresent and he's omniscient. He has the capacity and the ability to make a decision and think specifically about you. He didn't just think about the world. He didn't just think about the group over here. He thought about you. And when he made the decision to come down to this earth as a human, as God, to take on his shoulders the weight and the, the, the pain and the sin and, and the wrong of that one decision of Adam and Eve, when he made that choice, do you know he had you in his mind? He was thinking about you. He was thinking about Ryan and all the terribly wicked things that I've done years of addiction that I was in the years of religion and the years of feeling dark and empty and broken and disconnected from God 
feeling like I'm about this much worth the shame and the guilt and the condemnation that rests on my shoulders from all of the poor decisions that I've made and I try to do good things and I try to go give money and I try to be nice to people and be kind and let people in when they put the blinker on because I don't I hate it when people do that and I try to be a nice person and the reality is, is that I just can't get away and the only way for me to experience that freedom is to recognize that this human 100% human 100% God that was prophesied as the Messiah came to be my Savior came to rescue you from all of the things you're experiencing in your life. He had to come as 100% God and 100% man because as a man he couldn't put up with the weight of the sin and the weight of pain that he would go through. The scripture teaches us that he was beaten 39 times on his back with a whip. They carried him up to this mount, this hill called Golgotha and they nailed his wrists and his ankles to a cross and they buried him in the grave for three days. And the scripture tells us that Jesus Christ rose from the dead. And he didn't just rise from the dead. This wasn't just a fantasy. He then appeared to 500 plus, 500 to 800 different people have firsthand account of them experiencing the bodily form of Jesus after he had been crucified, dead, and put in the grave. That same Jesus Christ who rose from the dead he came to me and said, Ryan, I can wipe away all your sin. I can wipe away all your fear. I can wipe away all your shame. I can give you joy like you've never experienced before. I can bring you hope in life. I can bring you something you've never experienced before, Ryan. You just got to lay down religion. You just got to lay down your pain and your hurt and open up your heart and realize that I did that for you. I want to end our time here as we come to the end here I want to read a scripture I want you just to let your eyes roll across the screen as you see what Jesus did for us we're going to sing a couple more songs and then I'll let you go who believes what we've heard and seen who would have thought God's saving power would look like this the servant grew up before God a scrawny seedling a scrubby plant in a parched field there was nothing attractive about him nothing to cause us to take a second look he was looked down and on and passed over, a man who suffered, who knew pain firsthand. One look at him, and people turned away. We looked down on him, though he was a scum. The fact is, it was our pains he carried, our disfigurements, all the things wrong with us. We thought he brought it on himself, that God was punishing him for his own failures. But it was our sins that did that to him, that ripped and tore and crushed him, our sins. He took the punishment and that made us whole. Through his bruises, we get healed. We are like sheep who've wandered off and gotten lost and we've all done our own thing and gone our own way and God has piled all of our sins, everything we've done wrong on Jesus, on him. He was beaten, he was tortured, he didn't say a word, like a lamb taken to the slaughter, and like a sheep being sheared, he took it all in silence, justice miscarried, and he was led off and did anyone really know what was happening? He died without a thought for his own welfare, beaten bloody for the sins of my people. And they buried him with the wicked, threw him in a grave with a rich man, even though he'd never hurt a soul or said one word that wasn't true. Still, it's what God had in mind all along to crush him with pain. The plan was that he gave himself as an offering for sin so that he'd see life come from it. Look at this, life, life, 
more life. And God's plan, was, God's plan will deeply prosper through him. And out of that terrible travail of soul, he'll see that it's worth it all and be glad that he did. And through what he experienced, my righteous one, my servant, will make many righteous ones and he himself carries the burden of their sins. And this will be a sign for you in Luke 2.12. You will find baby wrapped in a swallowing cloth, lying in a manger. Would you close your eyes for a moment here this morning or tonight? Just for a moment. Every eye closed in this place today. I want to do this because I want to just remove any distraction for a moment. Could ask one question here tonight. If you're here today and you say, Ryan, I just, I, I would like to actually know this Jesus. Maybe you're here today and you've, you've, you've been far from God, meaning that you, you know God, but you maybe haven't been a part of His community or you haven't been a part of walking with Him or you've been distant from Him because you've been hurt in the past. Maybe you're here today and say, Ryan, I'm of another religion or of another faith and man, I want to give my life to Jesus today. Or maybe you say, Ryan, I've never heard this before. I've never been to church. This is good news that a God came and died for me that I might have life in this life and that one day when I die, I will spend an eternity with Jesus Christ in heaven. If you're here today and you say, Ryan, I just, I'd like you to pray for me. I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to pull you forward. I'm not going to acknowledge you. No one's going to know you raised your hand except you, God, and me. <laughs> Every eye closed. If you're here today, you say, Ryan, I would just like to confess my life to Jesus today, give my life to him, and start this journey in a relationship with Christ. Just for a few seconds, would you quickly throw your hand in the air up just so I can see it and then put it back down. Come on, amen. Come on, anybody else? Come on, two people so far. Just real quick, I won't embarrass you. I won't, I won't call you forward. Just put your hand in the air real quick. Amen. Come on, we can put that down. Awesome. Fantastic. Come on, four people have chosen to give their lives to Jesus today. One last question. If you're here and you say, Ryan, I am a Christian, but I'm really far from God, and I've been hurt by the church, I've been hurt by people, I've been hurt, Ryan, and I want to come back and start afresh today on this Christmas Eve of 2018. I want to recommit my life to Christ and say, Ryan, I'm going to give it a new go. I want a relationship with Jesus, not just a religion. Come on, if that's you tonight, would you just place your hand in the air real quick? Let me see you. I want to know who I'm praying for today. Come on, hands all across the room. Praise God. Okay, church. Just for a moment, would you repeat after me? I'm going to say a prayer. I want you to pray with me. I'm real loud. Pray it out loud. And we're going to pray with these people. There's six people who chose to give their lives to Jesus Christ this tonight. Come on, repeat after me. Lord Jesus, I come here tonight in need of you. I've heard the message tonight and realize that I'm in need of a saving God. So I confess my sins to you right now. I confess my heart to you right now. I confess that you are God. Come on, pray with me now. I give my life to you. I make a commitment right now to serve you. Will you change my life? Will you heal my heart? Will you speak to my mind? In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, would you stand with me tonight? We're going to get our candles out.
just for a few moments. We're just going to sing a couple of songs. Could have chose a quieter bag, I guess. Come on, why don't you turn those on, twist the bottom. If you don't have one, just put your hand in the air. Come on, as we end our time here tonight, just singing a couple, couple of songs together. The purpose of this candlelight tonight is to say that tonight our heart burns bright for Christ. So maybe you didn't raise your hand tonight, but this can be a symbol for you to say, all right, my, heart, my heart's going to burn bright for Christ tonight. And I'm going to come into this new season of my life and this new Christmas tomorrow, December 25th of 2018. I give my life to Christ. Thank you for listening to our Love City Church podcast. Visit us online at www.lovecitychurch.ca. We pray that this message encourages you and strengthens you in your walk with Jesus.